Hi, I'm so excited today because we have a guest. Her name is Nisi and she's from NisiandLisi.com. Um, she's a certified dog trainer and she is a dog lover. Um, and I think you're going to really love hearing our, my interview with her. And she gives you some great tips and resources. And we talk about dogs and training and just lots of fun stuff. So uh, thank you for joining us. Hi, how are you? Oh, hi, Nisi. Can hi. you hear me? Hi. Yeah, Sorry. can you hear me? Yes, I can hear it. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on today. Um, so I wanted to ask you about what made you want to become a trainer? What what gave you your love of dogs? Well, I kind of always loved dogs since I was just really young. I got, um, I used to get this book out of the library, the Reader's Digest book of dogs. I used to get it out of the library so often. And I had so many late fees that my parents ended up buying it for me when I was about eight. <laughs> and I would just uh-huh. memorize every, every single read a dog in there. And I was just totally uh-huh. obsessed. So, um, so that's kind of where it all started. And then I went to university, not thinking that was my career path. And, um, I was just spending all my free time volunteering at the SBCA, um, walking dogs and um, got more involved in that. And, and I just thought, you know, I love doing this. So I'm spending all my free time walking these dogs for a volunteer thing. Like, why don't I just open a dog walking business? So that's what I did. Um, and then from that point on, I just, I wanted to learn more and more. And, and I started, I took a training program um, at the animal behavioral college online. And, mm-hmm. and that was kind of, that was it for me. And I've been doing it ever since about 10 years now. So how 10 years. Um, so what, what was the first dog that you owned? Uh, I had a couple dogs growing up, uh, a Sheltie mix and a border uh-huh. collie mix. Um, they were great. Awesome dogs. Um, really smart. I used to do little shows with them and I taught them lots of tricks and stuff. It was really fun. Um, and that's when oh, I started doing uh-huh. agility too, which was, hmm. which was a really fun interaction. Um, and then, and then Lisi was the next dog that I got that was just mine. So she's the first dog I got as an adult and it was after I had done my training program. And mm-hmm. so she's been kind of my companion teaching me as much as, as much as I've been teaching her this whole time. It, what, what kind of dog is, is Lisi? She's a, she's mostly border collie and she's got a little bit of blue healer and a little bit of Kelpie. Are you still there, niece? I'm sorry. Or- Okay. Did you sorry. hear that? Last I, bit? I did. I, I, sorry, I missed the last bit. Oh, she's um, she's a mostly border calling. She's a little bit blue healer and a little bit Kelpie. Okay, so she's the one you have in all your YouTube videos and stuff, isn't? Or at least a lot of them. Yeah, she's in there. I have, tricks with her? 
Yeah. Yeah, it's mostly her in the YouTube videos. And I have a puppy right now who, uh, Viva, who's in quite a bit of the videos too. And she's an old sheepdog. Okay. So do you, typically with the dogs that you've, you've owned, have you rescued or bought them or how have you acquired them? Um, I have, well, I have five dogs right now. (laughs) So I've done a little bit of everything. Lisi, I bought, she was a return to breeder. It was a family had adopted, had bought her from a, from a breeder and they didn't want her anymore and they needed a new home right away. So that's how I got her. Mm -hmm. Uh, She was three, she was three months old. Um, Viva is actually a really similar situation. They were actually people that had com- they had contacted me for training and they said mm-hmm. they had a demon puppy and they couldn't handle her anymore. And, um, wow. and they just wanted, they just wanted to get rid of her. And I just said, okay, I'll take her. So, so that's kind of how those two girls came into my, came into my life. So, so not really rescues, mm-hmm. but, um, but still just kind of. You know, I, I took them on from someone else that just didn't want, just couldn't handle. Right. It's hard to have herding breed yeah. puppies. They're pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, they have a lot of energy. Yeah. And, and to know how to handle that. Um, so if so, if you were going to go and you got to pick out a puppy um, from a breeder, what would you look for? You know, what what would it make you choose one puppy over another? Well, I think the first thing is researching the breeder is so important if you're going to go that route, just to make sure that you're not mm-hmm. supporting a puppy mill, first and foremost. Right. And yep. and also, so you can get a vibe for what the breeder is breeding for, right? So, you know, I've seen a lot of dogs, people have got, it's a, it's, you know, it's a reputable breeder, but they're breeding only for show, only for looks, and then they've lost a lot of the good temperament and so the dog will be really difficult because of that so beautiful dogs with with difficult temperaments is really common um wow. so, so what you're looking for you what i would do firstly if you have a reputable breeder is ask them mm-hmm. which puppy would best suit your lifestyle because the breeder knows the puppies and they know their dog okay. And, yep. and that's usually the first question I would ask, like, what do you think would suit me best? So whether you want it for family or you want it for sport or you want the dog to be working with you, um, those are really important considerations for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, and depending on the breed of dog, but I just wondered, like, if you see like six, like, let's say you go and you could see the puppies and there's six of them, you know, and one of them comes up to you. Is that a good sign? Do you, you know? Does that puppy more yeah, confident so, and friendly or? Yeah. So for me personally, I really like dogs that want to work for me. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, because I do a lot of work with other people, uh, a friendly dog is really important to me. So, so yeah. So I'll mm-hmm. go for a puppy that's a little bit more confident. So, you know, the puppy that's going to come up and say hi right away and not be shying back. Um and then I'll also look for a puppy that's not really spooky. So um, if there's something weird on the ground or you make a loud sound, a puppy that recovers really quickly, like, oh, that was weird. And then they're back to being happy and normal. That's uh-huh. also something that I would look for. 
So have you ever gone in and I don't know the name of the test, but you can do a test with puppies where you can, you know, put them like in a strange room and then come in and see how they act with, with somebody like you that they don't know. And then um, introduce now, like different noises and objects and. Yeah. And so <laughs> there's a little bit of controversy around the test and whether it's actually useful information because really? they've done it where you test. Oh, it's my daughter in the background. Um, oh, where you test okay. the puppies multiple times. Um, uh -huh. And they'll the results will come out totally differently because on a different day yeah. the puppies are behaving totally differently so it's really hard to test them that way um that's why it's gotcha. really nice to talk to a breeder that knows the puppies already and is around them really frequently because you'll see some kind of right. stand out in a certain way and yep. um yep. and and I also read a really interesting study that said that <laughs> the more the puppy looks like one of the parents, the more they'll generally have the temperament of that parent, which I thought was so interesting. Huh. So if well, you meet the mom and the dad, yeah, and the one of the puppies looks more like the dad huh. or more like the mom, you're more likely to get that temperament out of the dog. Huh. I would say that I've seen that to be true to some extent. So, I mean, but that's interesting. I guess I haven't thought of it. Yeah, it was something I just... It never even occurred to me that if you get the genes for the physicality that you would get some of the temperament genes in there too, but I, I must, they must be related a little bit. Weird. That's not true of people, <laughs> but um, that's funny. Um, so do you ever have clients come to you and they are looking for a dog and they have you help them choose one or, or, or like a breed or. Yeah, yeah that happens so how, a lot. How do you, how so do, you people... do that? There's a lot that goes into choosing a breed and choosing a dog that's right for you. I get a lot of people also that have picked the wrong dog, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> and then they're and they're with a one-year-old dog that it's just like not what they wanted. So mm -hmm. it's really important. Some considerations that are really important are like what is your level of activity is one of the most important questions, right? Like, do you want to go on two-hour walks a day? Or do you want to go on 20 minute walk? <laughs> you know, right. the, that's really yes. important. Are you outdoorsy? Do you like going hiking? Do you like running? Do you like biking? Because there's some really high energy breeds that are going to be a real challenge for you if you don't enjoy going out and doing those kind of more high energy activities with them. Um, yes. Some of the other considerations are cost wise, like, does this dog need to go to a groomer? Does, do I need to like, is it a high maintenance coat that I'm going to have to be brushing constantly? Those are really important things to consider as well. And then just generally like, what's your experience with dogs? Like, are you going to go out? I know that around here, cane corsos have become really popular and I have a cane corso. So I get a lot of people asking questions mm -hmm about them to me but they're a really large breed dog so my dog is 150 pounds and um and they're protective dogs so they're they can be really difficult especially when they're young they can you know they can be aggressive with strangers they can be um mm -hmm. really vocal and, uh, and guarding your property so if you're a first-time dog owner 
and you aren't looking for someone, a dog just to be like growling at everybody and guarding your property, then I would probably consider a dog that's a little bit easier to handle. So a yeah, dog that's that more sense. friendly with. Yeah. Yeah. And Okay. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Did you want to say more? Well, I was just going to say that um, it's one of those things where I can, I can give all the advice in the world and you can go pick the dog and you never really know what you're going to get. You know, they're all a little bit individual and the personalities will always be individual and it won't be, I know sometimes people are looking to replace a dog that they've had, like a heart dog that's passed away um, or a dog they had growing up that was in their their kind of mind's eye perfect. Um, And that's really hard to do because, because no dog is going to be perfect. And um, it's one of those things where you just kind of work with what you get. I, I always say that I think the dog comes into your life to teach you something and for a reason um, whether mm-hmm. that's a hard lesson or, or an easy, um, really heart, you know, heartwarming one. Um, uh-huh. I think that they, they come into your life for that purpose. Well, that, that makes sense. I, I mean, I guess, we, I guess I've seen that in my life, so I can find that to be very true. Um, yeah. What I see it over and over you, oh, I bet you do. Um, what age do you think is best to hire a trainer? Because I've heard, I've heard different things. I just wondered what what do you recommend? Well, I recommend starting your training as soon as you get your puppy. So if you are totally lost and you haven't had a puppy before and you're really new to having dogs, it's it's almost great to meet with a local trainer, a local positive trainer. So you want to make sure that they're using you know food rewards um and and less punishment and more rewarding um so so you I would even connect if it's your first time having a dog I would connect with a trainer before you even get the dog help you set up your place help you get the right stuff and and get you some skills so that you're not totally overwhelmed with when your puppy comes um Mm -hmm. because I see what what's the most common thing that I see is I'll meet dogs the owners will call me when they're in their teen phase. So that's like eight months, eight, you know, uh-huh. seven could be like seven to 18 months old. And the dogs are, right. they've, they've kind of like haven't done any training. And now the dog's a teenager and realizing they have, you know, the, there's a whole world out there of fun stuff. <laughs> and, right. uh, and they're set and they're, they're probably really getting struggling. set in their ways. I bet. Yeah. And they're already, they're large breed dog are already quite large. So it's harder to train them physically. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so I, I always want to start really young. Um, you know, you can't really go to a group class right away until your puppy's had all their shots. So usually until they're about 16 weeks, you're, you're kind of just trying to avoid other dog poop <laughs> to avoid parvo. Yes. So, but there is a lot you can do. Like you can take your puppy on car rides. You can go to see other dogs that you know are healthy dogs that have been vaccinated, like friends, adult dogs. Um, mm-hmm. and you can do lots of training just inside your home, like just putting down really solid, basic behaviors. And, and the most important thing is that when puppies are really young like that, they're just little sponges. So anything that they're doing good or bad, that sticks. So anything that you teach them when they're really young, that's going to be really stuck in their behavior patterns, but anything that they're doing, that's 
not really desirable, that's also going to be really stuck in their behavior patterns. So that's why it's so important to start your training right away when they're really little. It makes sense. So let's say that you bought a, a King Corso and you worked with it at home a lot. And then, but you wanted some help. What age would you say to hire a trainer for that after the shots are all done or? Yeah, I would start puppy classes. Um, a great puppy class with some other puppies around. So you're working on some some basic stuff like doing a sit, maybe starting a stay, um, a down behavior, and and then also incorporating some socializing and maybe some exposure to new objects. That's kind of an ideal. That's what you want to look for in a puppy class. I, I don't like the idea of a puppy class as just a free-for-all play session because that's mm-hmm. not really going to help you with your training. The puppy's just kind of out there running around playing with other dogs. And as much as it's good for them to get exposure to other dogs, it's more important for them to learn to focus on you around other dogs and to learn appropriate, polite play behaviors. So when you're looking for a puppy class, I like to look for something that has a bit of a mix. So you're doing a bit of socializing, you're doing a bit of exposure to new items. Uh, It could be like a broom or little obstacles they need to go into or a tub filled with, you know, plastic water bottles anything that makes a weird sound or might be kind of novel to your puppy. And then also incorporating a bit of training into that for young dogs. So that's the kind of puppy class I would look for. And then if okay. you, if you want to move forward and do some more kind of like, if you had a cane Corso, I would say, yeah, you need to do some more advanced obedience. So I would, I would definitely move into either going on with a group to do some more advanced classes or hiring a private trainer to come in, help you, you know, set a path so that you can start to train some of those behaviors. That makes sense. So do you do, um, I know you do private training, but do you do classes too? I was doing classes before COVID. (laughs) Um, COVID coronavirus probably. (laughs) What's that? Oh, I'm sure until the coronavirus hit and that probably put an end to that for a while. Yeah, yeah, that's that's over. Um, So now I'm doing mostly online training. So I have a little online um, membership group. And and I work with a kind of a group of clients in there together. And we, we do like a monthly trick and that kind of stuff and work together. And then I give them advice if they have a problem that comes up. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other thing that I do um is uh board and train so i'll have dogs come here with kind of puppies and also dogs that are having problems that the owner's just really struggling with and they feel like they don't have time to work on it i'll do that too what what Um, do you think somebody should i think it's oh sorry Oh, budget for training? Yeah. What would you recommend, especially let's say you um, get a like, dog like a King Corso or something that needs more training? Yeah. Like I would say a puppy class is usually going to run you, depending on where you are, somewhere between, it's going to be around $100, $150 probably per six-week class. Um, so so I would I would try to do probably two group classes a year. Um, and if, 
you are finding you're having behavior problems or you're feeling overwhelmed and you need extra help for mm-hmm. private training, you're usually looking for, for a really experienced trainer. Um, you're probably looking at usually somewhere between 65, I would say around 65, 75 an hour. Um, and then plus, you know, depending on the qualifications of the trainer and that kind of thing. So, and those would be, so what qualify- you would probably do that. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, I was just going to say what qualifications would you look for? Um, because you know, at, what what's important? Yeah. So, um, I would look for some kind of certification. So, um, you know, there's, it's hard in dog training because there's no real one kind of governing body of certification. So, um, so there's people that do have really great courses, um, and it's mostly online stuff. So what I look for is someone who has some kind of training that's in the positive reinforcement realm. So I'll look, if I'm looking at a, at a website for a trainer, I'm looking to make sure that they're not using a lot of the word alpha and dominance. Um, they're not using shock collars or prong collars. Um, and, and that there's no, if sometimes for me, a big red flag is we a hundred percent guarantee that we're going to fix your dog within a certain period of time, because that to me says that they're not really, they're, they're, they're maybe using some kind of methods to force dogs into compliance instead of actually really addressing the issue underneath what's going on with the dog and really working with the individual mm-hmm. dog. Um, so I'd really be looking for a trainer with experience, a trainer who has some kind of professional certification. And then I would also be looking for someone who's doing some kind of continuing education. Not someone that's been training the same way for 25 years. You want to look for someone who's like still going to conferences, who's still learning about new stuff. And you can just ask them flat out, like, you know, do you, have you learned anything new about dog training in the last little while? Like, do you attend training events? Have you learned any new things? Like, you know, because most of the organizations that you can belong to as a dog trainer they will require some kind of continuing education points so that you're taking some kind of seminar or you're going and learning from other trainers throughout your throughout Mm -hmm. the year well that sounds that's really great advice um what do you see as the number one mistake that people make with their dog or their puppy i think for puppies in particular the number one thing that I see is that they treat the puppy like something cute and fluffy instead of treating it like it's going to grow into an adult dog. So, I mean, that's a little vague, but so what I mean is like the puppy's really cute. So I'm going to let it jump on me and I'm going to let it like crawl all over me and lick yeah. my face and, and I'll, you know, I let it on the furniture for today, even though later I don't want it on the furniture or right. I'm going to let it run out yeah. the door ahead of me today, even though like later I want to wait. So <laughs> it's one of those yes. things where that's really common is that 
you know, all of a sudden the dog's a big dog and you're like, oh, it's not acting like a dog. <laughs> it's this big shock that, oh, you probably a long time ago when it, was, when it was a puppy. So just making sure that you know what your expectation is of the dog as an adult and really putting that into practice when they're really young. That, that's, yeah, I'm guilty of that. Um, and I think that for adult dogs, mm-hmm. Yeah, I know everybody is a little bit. I mean, they're really cute, right? Um, And for adult dogs, what I would say is kind of blaming the dog for being quote unquote bad or, or saying that the dog's stubborn or it's like the dog's problem. The dog is a bad dog, you know, instead of really saying like, what behavior am I seeing? Why is it happening? How can I teach the dog to do something else? in that situation instead of this thing that I don't want. So like taking responsibility for your part in, in not helping the dog learn the proper, the proper polite manners. Is okay. really important. So it's really no different than kids, you know, a lot of what you're saying. I mean, cause when they're babies, you're like, Oh, it's yeah. really want to let them get away with stuff, but then it backfires when they get older. Um, so yeah, you're like, Oh, do you want that? Sure. Right. You, have right. It. <laughs> you know, instead of instead of setting a boundary that's I mean that's a lot of it is being able to set boundaries and and know what your expectations are and and sometimes that's hard I'll talk to people and they they're not really sure what they want from the dog they're only just kind of realizing like oh I actually don't want this you know so what I'll do is have them sit down and say like like tell me your dream dog like tell me what that dog does on a daily Mm -hmm. basis like what do you do with the dog and and I'll have write that out and then that gives me a clear idea of like okay let's talk about how we can train those things and and help you get on that path and they're like oh okay (laughs) you know I'd never even thought about it kind of thing so um like if you just let the dog be a dog that's nice and the dog is you know wants to do dog things but those don't always those don't always mesh with human human world which is what the dog lives in it makes sense. So what is the oldest dog that you've ever trained or worked with? Well, I'm still training. My cane Corso is turning uh-huh. 10 and he's still learning new tricks and uh, doing all kinds of cool stuff. I have worked with some older dogs, mostly on kind of seniors things like dogs that are starting to get a little bit of dementia or um, having trouble with their bowels and that kind of thing. People will call me in for training and we really end up accommodations more often than than we do really do um, behavior training with an older dog. But any dog of any age can learn new things and they love it my dogs love learning no matter how old they are so learning new tricks or even like you can teach uh you know an 11 year old dog how to walk on leash if you just are fed up with Uh pulling on leash (laughs) and your dog has a few years left you just want to do that you can do that it's not it's not impossible and I mean the longer the dog's been doing a certain behavior the longer it Uh takes you to train it but I think you'd be surprised about how quickly and Dog can pick up okay so that 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 sure. saying is not true then huh about you can't teach an old dog new tricks absolutely not 
old dogs love learning, learning <laughs> is there anything that what what would you say is the hardest thing to unteach a dog that's been you know that a that a client teaches it um the hardest thing to unteach a dog i mean undoing is so much harder than doing just mm-hmm. in general i would say uh bark- okay. barking is one of those things that's really hard to untrain. So like if you've taught your dog to bark at you to like throw their toy or bark at you to get treats or bark at you for dinner, bark at you to go outside. (laughs) Once you put that down as a communication tool tool for the dog to tell you what Uh they want, then it's really hard to walk back because it's so, it's easy for the dog that it's hard to untrain barking. You can teach a new behavior, but sometimes you'll still get a little, a little leftover mm-hmm. barking yeah. there. Some dogs just yes, love to bark. They do, they do. Depending on the breed of dog. Just enjoy hearing their own voice. Love that. What are your thoughts on rescuing dogs? What, what, <laughs> what's your experience been with um, yourself or with clients? Or So I've had two rescue dogs. And I personally got really lucky. Like one of them was just an angel. The owner just had to had to surrender him because they were he had to move into a suddenly had to move into an assisted care facility and couldn't keep him anymore. So I mean that dog was thing, and he's like one of the best dogs I've ever had. Um, and then I have a second one that is you know a bit dog aggressive, and we're working with her on some stuff right now. Um, and so it can be really challenging. So that's really the spectrum of rescue. So you can rescue a dog with, with little to no dog experience and you can get an amazing dog. And the nice thing is that you know how big the dog is going to be. You usually have kind of an idea of its issues and its temperament. Um, and, and you don't have to go through the puppy phase. So those are, that's like one, that's the really upside of it. The downside is, for a lot of people, the dog's behavior will be really difficult because there's a reason the dog was surrendered. So it'll seem really sweet at first, and then the dog gets past that, whatever it is, the few months. Um, usually have a 3-3-3 three, three, three rule. So three days for the dog to become accustomed to your home, three weeks for the dog to get used to your routines, and three months before the dog starts to feel, feel like part of the family. So at that three months, sometimes we'll start to see once the dog's really comfortable, some more difficult behaviors will come out. So you may see some aggression, um, some like guarding food and toys, or having some uh, aggressive behavior towards other dogs or strangers or people coming into the home. Um, and those things can be so hard. And especially if you already have pets in your house and you bring another mm-hmm. dog in that can be a really challenging situation. So uh, I don't take it lightly. I'm not the kind of person that's like, adopt, don't shop, adopt, don't right. shop. That's not, that's not mm-hmm. my mantra. I, um, I think adopt, but adoption is great. And if you want to go that route, you just need to be aware that a lot of the time you have to put a lot of work in at the beginning and, um, and you can encounter behavior problems. So you really need to commit yourself 
to the dog and and make sure it's a good pick for your family like if you're especially if you have little kids mm-hmm. or other pets adopting can be really tricky so so it's definitely something to consider really yeah. is there any books or that you would highly recommend or do you just think that i mean the online trading thing makes a lot of sense because it's so convenient and then you know you can chat with the trainer and everything i think that's really nice Yeah, like there's tons of books <laughs> that I would recommend. Um, <laughs> um, I have a huge list of books that I that I really love. I um, there's also really good U- YouTube channels that I really like. Okay. Um, and I send clients to those channels all the time. Um, I like the YouTube because you can you can re- watch someone work with their dog, and you know what? There's actually a couple of Instagram accounts that are really good okay. too. Um, um, there's one that I really like, uh, all things uh-huh. pup. It's an Instagram account. And what she has on there are short clips of her doing behavior training with clients and their dogs. And she has just, she's a really great trainer and she does a really good job explaining things in a way that someone who's not a dog expert can understand. You know, I think it's so hard for trainers, especially if you've done, you know, all the, animal science in the background you're like using words that nobody knows what you're talking about sometimes so he's really good about using simple analogies and um and i love that one so that's a really okay follow um shiraj patel shiraj patel also has a really good youtube channel um and i recommend that one too um and and for books i mean it really depends what you're looking for. I usually recommend Ian Dunbar he has a really great puppy book uh, that I really like. Um, and I, if you want to get into clicker training, you definitely want to check out Karen Pryor's books. She's kind of like the pioneer clicker training. So. So I definitely recommend that. And clicker training is something that I do a lot of the time. And people think it's like really intense dog training, but it's actually a really simple and practical. Um, and then I know Jean Donaldson has a few books that I recommend a lot. Okay. So she's got some for behavior training. So she's got... Uh, Mine, which is a dog, which is a uh, resource guarding your dog guarding toys. That was really great. And one for fight with dog dog aggression. I really love both of those books, and they're really approachable for everyday readers, not just. Just a handful of them, but they're really great books. Is is, do you prefer a leash or a harness? Oh, I mean, I'm sorry, a particular brand of leash or harness or collar or? You know, <laughs> I keep my dogs just on regular old flat collars with nothing fancy, just like a buckle clip, something that you can quick release in case of emergency. So not like a belt okay. loop. Um, and then just a plain nylon collar. That's what I use on my dogs. Um, 
if you're having, you know, real trouble with your with your leash walking, for really small dogs, I usually recommend a harness just so that you don't put pressure. You know, they can have difficulty with their collapsing their tracheas. So, um, so I usually put smaller dogs on a harness that clips on their okay. back. Um, harnesses are one of those things that I, you know, back when I first started training, I would recommend certain things that I don't anymore. So I usually look for a harness that has a nice solid V shaped chest plate. Um, you want to make sure it's not rubbing the dog under their armpits and, and you want to make sure that it's not obstructing okay. the gate. So, so they can take a, a full stride with their legs and they don't have to kind of cut their stride off halfway. There was a new thing I just read recently that uh, came out from, I try to remember if it was the American Veterinary Academy. Anyway, so they, it was a new study that was out on um, just shoulder injuries and how that related to wearing those front clip harnesses that come right across the dog in uh -huh. the front, um, right across the dog's chest. Because if they're fitted a little too low, they can really cut the dog's gait off and, um, and that repetitive motion can be really difficult on their shoulder joint. Mm. So, you know, that stuff, <laughs> the more I I'm always saying to people, like, it's more important that you spend time training your dog to walk on a loose leash, creating value for being next to you. Um, making sure you're not rewarding them for pulling forward instead of focusing on trying to find the perfect harness or collar um, to mm -hmm. stop pulling. Yeah. That makes sense. So looking for equipment that will going to fix it when, you know, really putting the time into bringing treats. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it may work for the first couple months because it's new to the dog and then the dog's going to be like, Oh, okay, mm -hmm. well I can still pull with this on, <laughs> you know? So, um, and then for leashes, I usually just use a plain six foot leash when I'm just walking down the sidewalk. I prefer to use a longer leash whenever I can, just to give the dog a little more freedom and allow them to sniff and explore. So if we're on a trail that's on leash, but there aren't that many people on it. I'll put my dogs on like a 12 foot okay. leash and, and I'll just kind of wrap up as when they come closer and I'll let it loose as they go further away. Retractable leashes, are those good or bad? Or... <clears throat> Sorry. Well, I don't use them. And I, they, what they do is they put tension on the collar all the time. If you are leaving them in the retractable settings, you're not, you're not locking it, but you're letting it just kind of go in and uh -huh. out while the dog's walking. It, it puts the dog's collar all the time so the dog is actually learning that when they pull into the leash they get more leash uh, a lot of the time but that's, that's the lesson that they're learning so it's not my favorite for training your dog to walk on leash i don't mind if you have the retractable and then you lock it at a certain mm -hmm. length and then you use that for your walking that's totally fine by me and then the other thing just for a safety issue twice now i've actually heard of smaller dogs on a retractable leash walking down the sidewalk and the owner stops at the sidewalk the dog doesn't stop the dog runs out oh. the traffic and gets hit and that's that's oh, twice no. i've heard of that oh and it's not it's nasty and 
I would like, I can't believe how awful you would feel just standing there watching no, your dog. Yeah. But, um, but it's one of those things, right? So you're not really like, you know, your dog's been great on leash and you're not really thinking about it. And, you know, whatever right. happens, a squirrel runs out or something, or they see a dog across the street yep. and they just book, they just book it. So, um, so that's one of the safety issues with retractable leashes. They were actually made for uh, tracking dogs so that, so that the dog could go pretty far away and follow their own path and the human could stay behind. Um, so it's funny now that we use them so much just for our regular leash walks and then expect our dogs to be walking uh -huh. nicely yes. with us, even though we're kind of giving them the tools that's used for tracking. So using for sniffing and going and mm -hmm. finding things. So it's kind of that, interesting. That. Yeah. Is there any, is it, what breed would you say is just impossible and, or is there a breed that you think is just really difficult and the person should really do a lot of research and before they own? Um, one breed in particular. Well, I mean, there are dogs that are more challenging. I think the more independent uh, protecting dogs are usually the most challenging to have as like an urban pet. So like, like a chow chow, okay. for example, or a great Pyrenees, um, just a dog that is supposed to be independently protecting a space. So they're not focused on humans for the most part, and they will tend to spend a lot of time ignoring oh. you. <laughs> and then and also those dogs are protective dogs. So they are more likely to be aggressive with strangers and mm -hmm. strange dogs. So when you're looking at the groups of dogs, when, when you're choosing a dog to have as a house pet, it just depends what you want right. the dog for. Right. But if you're choosing a dog as like a family pet, a house pet, I would definitely really consider if, you are choosing a dog that's supposed to be protecting, you know, livestock or protecting mm -hmm. a space because those dogs are going to be more difficult for you to have socially. So they're going to be difficult for like the mailman kind of situation. Yeah. And they're going to not going to be great going to dog parks. They're, it's going to be hard to take them out for like a barbecue at your friend's place and just yes. let them run around and play with the other yes. dogs there. Right. So I usually recommend for beginner families, like if you want a really nice dog, look for dogs that are really social, right? So if, if you have, if you want just a family dog, that's going to be nice to everybody, you could go for the classics. You can go for a golden mm -hmm. retriever. You can go for a lab. You could go for, you know, a pug if you want a little one, sure. um, just dogs that are really easy to have. Um, there's tons of really nice dogs out there. I know no, I'm missing yeah. some. I really like uh, like little poodles are really easy. Um, and obviously, I really like the herding breed. So if you're a really active person, like my old English sheepdog is the friendliest dog I've mm -hmm. ever had. <laughs> and she just loves people and loves dogs. And she's a great family pet, but she's really high energy. So if you want to go herding breed or working breed, you definitely need to be looking for you know, you, you expect yourself to be going on these ridiculous walks and playing fetch for hours and doing a lot of active stuff just to keep your dog yeah. sane or else they'll, they'll mm -hmm. run your life. That makes sense. <laughs> um, what about, is there any little dogs that are really hard to work with? 
like I don't know. I've heard that wiener dogs can be kind of hard. Is that true? It is kind of true. I mean, with little dogs, the thing is that they're small. So their behavior issues are never as big a deal as a mm -hmm. large dog. So people will go a long time with their wiener dog barking at everything uh -huh. that it sees. Yeah. And <laughs> I actually had a client whose wiener dog, someone reached into their car and would just bite <laughs> them. <laughs> And because um, I mean, they're, they're terriers, yeah. you know, hunting dogs, little hunting dogs like the terriers, like a Jack Russell is, is challenging to have. Um, the Jack Russells I hear a lot about, mm -hmm. very challenging. Um, and, and the, and the Dachshunds and um, a lot of those really heavily like high driven dogs, they, they can be really, they're terriers, so they're territorial. Mm -hmm. So they can be really challenging to have with other dogs in your neighborhood. They can get really, really barky and really snarly um, and and with strangers coming into your home. But but the nice thing is that with a small dog, you can always physically manage yeah. that dog. So if your dog's losing its mind and lunging at the end of the leash and having a flip out, like we can work on that, but it's not going to drag no, you into traffic. You're just, yeah. You know, but so... I, would you I, recommend you just pick it up? Like, yeah, it's always a good point. Oh, for a dog that's having like uh, a reaction like that, usually what I do is I work with the owner on one, their own handling, right? So um, making sure that you're staying calm, you're not yelling mm -hmm. at the dog. Um, because a lot of the time, if you're kind of freaking out in the background, the dog's barking at something and if you're also yelling behind it, the dog may just think that you're yelling at the thing that right. they're barking at because they're not looking back to see like, Oh, are you looking <laughs> at me or what's yeah. happening here? So they're not making like rational thoughts in that, mm -hmm. in that moment. So, so if you're kind of freaking out a lot of the time, that's just going to amplify your dog's behavior. So making sure that you're taking a deep breath and staying calm. Um, and then you really just want to create space between the dog and whatever it is that they're barking at. So, until that they can calm down. So you just want to back away from the thing that they're barking at. And then once they're quiet, or at least calm down mm -hmm. a little bit, if they can look at the, at the thing, whatever it is that they're barking at, if they can look at it, um, then that's a good time to reward them. So, so you can have some treats with you. And when your dog looks at that thing, and they don't bark, you can say yay and give them a treat. Um, and even toss a treat in the grass so they have to go sniff it out. And the sniffing also helps them oh. calm down a little bit. Um, and the, what the treat does, is it releases a bunch of endorphins. And it helps the dog feel really good in that situation where they may have been feeling scared or fearful or uh, angry. So, um, so it's just like us, like if you had a bad day, sometimes eating a bowl of ice cream really mm -hmm. helps. And that works for the dogs too. Oh. So, so giving them a tasty little piece of cheese or, or a really good treat that they like helps them to feel better. in that situation. And then what you do is you just repeat that. So every time the dog that thing and they look at it before they start barking, then you start feeding them food. And, and that's really going to help create a positive association. And what you try to do is close that distance mm -hmm. gap. So you've backed away from the thing and you're going to make a note of how far away you are. And then you're just going to slowly try to close that gap over time so that your dog might eventually even be able to walk right up to that thing and not, not have a freak out because they're feeling so good about seeing it because they get treats. Ah, so they, 
that makes sense. Um, so tell me, tell me about your online. How would I, if how, how would I find it? How would I get more information about your online training? Well, I have some online. Yeah, I have some online video courses. So I have, um, and those ones are like right on my website and you just go through the course yourself and it's, it's like a step-by-step kind of course. So um, the videos are set up for daily training sessions. So 10 or 15 minutes, you go through the court, you go through the training with me while I'm doing it with another dog. And then, and then you're done for the day. And then it helps to progress you through all the basic obedience. And those are puppy courses. So you can just go on my website, search out with a free, a free nipping and chewing tips course. And then after that, it just takes you through the, the uh, puppy okay. courses. Do you do stuff for older dogs on and there then, too? And then I also have, yeah, well, I have a membership group on Facebook and, and I have, when people join that group, they basically can ask questions anytime or post a video of something that's going on with their dog. And I have saved in there a whole bunch of videos and a bunch of tutorials. And they can really, I can link them to things I've already written, or I'll give them some one-on-one advice mm-hmm. written right there. And we do like a monthly challenge where everybody learns the same trick. Someone wins a prize every month. And, um, and, and I do also post um, tips throughout that thing. So anytime I make a video on how to do something, um, or if someone requests a certain kind of video, then I'll make one and post it on there. So, so that group is really great. It's a subscription group. So it's a monthly subscription group. So um, so they're just, as long as monthly. So it's basically, it's like the cost of a group training class. It's 25 bucks a month. So it's the cost of doing like one, one training class. Pretty cheap, and you get all the support. Yeah, you need. Well, that's great. Uh, well, thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it, and I really enjoyed chatting with you. And I know I said subscribe to the Facebook thing, and I'm gonna check it out. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, it was so great talking to you. I could literally just talk about dogs all day well, long. Maybe we'll so. have you come on again and have some more questions. <laughs> right thank there. you. All right, so I appreciate your time. Yeah, anytime. If you got it, you okay, too. Thank you so much, Nancy. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. I hope you really enjoyed today's podcast with Nisi. I know I really enjoyed having her. Um, I've been following her for years on Instagram, and it was so nice to talk to her. Um, Check her out on Instagram. She's also on YouTube. She has some great videos for training on there. And then her website's www.nisiandlisi.com. And she also has um, Dog School on Facebook, and you can get a link to that on her website. So we'll thank you for joining us today and we so look forward to our next podcast. Talk to you guys soon.